every morning when I wake up. I thank the Lord for life. I thank the Lord for life in His Son. Because that's really true life. Uh, would you bow with me? Let's pray together. Father, I lift up this time. We look to you and your spirit that you would move in our midst and just speak to our hearts. Ask that uh, your kingdom come and your will would be done during our time together this morning. I thank you. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I am uh, speaking this Sunday and next Sunday. So if you don't come back, I'll know why. (laughs) It's always a, a challenge for me to discover what I'm supposed to share when I'm asked to speak on a Sunday morning. I've never been a person to pull a sermon out of a file that uh, I shared years ago and it was well received. I'm not really concerned so much with someone liking what I have to share as much as I am being sure that I'm hearing from the Lord in terms of uh, what He wants to share through me this day. We're, uh, we're all on a spiritual journey. And uh, we're all still a work in progress. And if we're growing, we're continuously uh, coming to crossroads in our journey where we have to learn new things. And sometimes we have to learn, learn old things. That's called repentance. By the way, I usually don't title my sermons, but if you need a title, it would be Crossroads in the Journey. Sometimes people say, well, we've got to have a title so if somebody wants it, they know what to ask for. So anyway, I forgot to tell them that. Uh, When we come to these crossroads where we can learn new things, unlearn old things, the choices that we make have big consequences. Uh, Bonnie and I can tell you every day in our lives, when we both at the same time, heard the Lord call us into full-time, faith-based Christian service. Now, she was out spending time with the Lord by herself. I was out spending time with the Lord by myself, and we both got the same word, and then we started looking for each other. Because we figured it might be a factor if the other one agreed or didn't agree with this. And it was, I mean, she was severely pregnant. So we were on the beach, you know, I had this picture, you know, you've seen the lovers running on the beach in slow motion toward each other. It wasn't anything like that at all. But, uh, you remember that? And uh, it was like, I want to talk to you, and she said, I want to talk to you. Well, you go first. No, you go first. And when we both realized what what the Lord was doing, it was amazing. Now, I, if I'm crying early, I'm in trouble. Because uh, because what I'm going to be sharing is very much on my heart. Um, We could tell you of a day when we were together, when we both got the revelation 
of what it means to be in Christ. And uh, we walked, we talked, we cried, and we realized that we had both entered into a new freedom that would completely change our lives, and it probably saved our marriage. And we've been married 52 years, so I'm very thankful. Now, we want, we want this freedom for our family, for our kids, our grandkids, for our grandchildren, for our daughters-in-laws, and for our, grands, our, our son-in-law. But, but it's not in our power to give it to them. It can only come as they walk with the Lord, as they... Uh, uh, come to the place where they see their need and when they want it. But the exciting part is that we, they get to see it in us. As, as we're around them and Jesus loves them through us. And in the process, we change. And we grow because we have to depend on the Lord if there's going to be any life. In this situation. Now we're all different. I like that. You know, it talks in the, in the, in the Word about us being living stones, not bricks. We've all got different shapes and, and, and uh, we're different places in our journey. So I really do seek the Lord to find out what He wants shared on a particular day. Now my message this morning began last Sunday. And I want to tell you about it. Uh, I don't come out of the charismatic movement, as some of you do. Don't judge me for that. Yet I believe strongly in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, The gifts of the Spirit not only to individuals, but to the church. When I surrendered to the Lord in 1972 at age 25... It was the first time that I ever sensed God's presence. And it was the first time I ever recognized that He was speaking to me. I didn't even know that world existed. Even though I'd been in church all of my life and was already a deacon. Didn't have a clue. It was all theory. I wasn't the easiest person to live with. My wife's supposed to amen that. We had been married five years. But the Lord showed me quickly that He had big plans to show me how to enter into this world, to see it, and to enter into it. And it was called the kingdom of God. And it's been a great, great, Great journey. Now, another crossroads for me came very unexpectedly one day when I, I, I was out of town and I went, visited a church. I was a Baptist pastor, but this was not a Baptist church, as you will figure out in a minute. And they give an invitation for prayer and I went forward. 
I, I typically don't do that. I don't know why I went forward. But uh, there was a young man, younger than me, and I was pretty young. And as I stood before him, he waited for the Lord. And this is what he told me. He said, the Lord is going to heal you from the trauma of your birth. And I gave that look too. Like, but I was shocked. How could he know about my birth? Let me tell you about my birth. My mother, I was her firstborn, and she developed a condition called eclampsia, which is a blood condition that expecting mothers can get before they go to full term. My dad works crazy hours. He's always, he works six days a week, opened the shop at six in the morning, worked at ten at night, all of my life. When he came home from work, he found my mother unconscious in bed. She had about chewed her tongue off. He thought she was dead. (laughs) They didn't even have a phone. You know, my, my parents grew up poor. Stayed that way for quite a while, and uh, they didn't have a they didn't have a phone. So Dad ran to the neighbor's house, called the hospital, called the doctor. The doctor met my dad at the hospital and said this. Thank you. I'm gonna need that. I appreciate it, yes, sir. My wife gives me water and they give me tissue. I don't anything else you think I need. I'm I'm open. Uh, the doctor met the doctor met my dad at the hospital. Looked at my mom and knew exactly what the trouble was because his daughter had died of the same condition. And he said to my dad, "This baby will not live because he's so premature. It's premature. But if your wife lives, you can have another child." They took me cesarean. And uh, didn't have an incubator or any of that stuff. And uh, mom was unconscious for three days. And when she woke up, somebody told her she had a baby. And I, I did live, by the way. <laughs> I want you to know that. Now, uh, did I really need healing from that? I hate to blow my nose into the microphone, but here goes. I'm here to tell you that, yes, I did. Because fear, which this unborn infant was feeling as my mom was in trauma, abandonment, rejection, were messages that I got into my spirit during the first few moments of, of my life. Um, 
Paul talks about in Rome in Ephesians 4:23. You can look it up if you want to. But he talks about how the spirit of our mind needs to be renewed. And so deep in my spirit of my mind were fear, rejection, abandonment, and I desperately needed to be removed. Now, that's where crossroads come into your life. Because the Lord will bring things to memory and say, I want to heal that. I want to deal with that. I want to set you free. Uh, Last Sunday was one of those for me. And I want to tell you about it. Last Sunday, I woke up, I wake up early every morning. I mean, sleeping in for me is maybe six. It's a holiday. Most mornings I get up at five. This morning I got up at a little before three thirty. Uh, on a work day, if it's, you know, 3.30, I, I, I try to say, Lord, come on now. I'm not, this, this can't be you. Although sometimes it is. And uh, so I got up early, and, and like I do every day, and I was beginning my devotional reading when I got the impression in my mind that I needed to go find a book that I'd read a long time ago. Now, I've learned in my walk with the Lord that it's always important to give expression to any impression. Another way of describing what, if you didn't catch it, the Lord was talking to me. And some people say, well, that's weird, man. I don't, uh, well, no, it's, it's real. The Lord was talking to me, and so I obeyed. And I went and got the book. And, and what the book is, is a collection of letters written by a man by the name of Frank Lobach. In the night, he was a missionary to the Philippines in the 1930s. And in these letters, he talks about he, how he learned to practice the presence of God moment by moment, every day. And how this practice positively impacted his ministry with a very hostile Muslim tribe in the Philippines. The Lord, through Frank Laubach, has impacted the world because the Lord showed him a process of teaching people how to read and how they can teach others. And it's being used across the world today. As I opened this book last Sunday, I noticed for the very first time that these letters were letters that Frank Laubach wrote to his father. And my reaction was, that's interesting. I didn't think any more about it. Bonnie and I came to church. I really enjoyed the worship. And by the way, I really enjoyed the worship this morning. You know, when uh, when they sang the verse about from the womb I called you, man, I about lost it. It was just good, really good. And uh, we enjoyed that time. And during one of the songs, out of the blue, I mean, I wasn't just out of the blue. Uh, I started thinking, I wish I had a relationship with my dad, like Frank Laubach had with his. 
as I said, my dad worked all the time. And we were Baptists, so we had to go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And so in the afternoon, my dad took a nap because he was tired from working six days during the week. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you the way it was. Uh, and uh, I, said, I, was, I started thinking, I wish I could have shared what the Lord was doing in my life with my dad, but I didn't. I couldn't. I was my dad's caregiver the last years of his life. He lived to be 93, and we didn't have much to talk about. Great opportunity, but nothing to talk about. As I was thinking about that, I remember a time when I first came to the Lord. I was so excited. I had found life. I mean, if you're dead and then you come alive, it's exciting. Particularly if you didn't know you were dead before you came alive. It's really exciting. I wanted my mom and dad to understand and experience what I found. So that very first Christmas after I met the Lord, I made a cassette for them. For those of you that are real young, if there's anybody in here, a cassette was what you used to record on. I went to Walmart one time, not many years ago, to get some cassette tapes. And here's this kid working there. And I said, I'm looking for some cassette tapes. So he takes me to videotapes. And he says, uh... And I said, no, no, I want audio tapes. He goes, sir, I don't think they make those anymore. I said, they do. I'm going to find them, and then I'm going to find you. And I did. But I made a cassette tape because that's all there was then, and I told them about all I was experiencing. I told him that I wanted to talk to them about it after they listened to it as soon as we could. And what do you think happened? They didn't want to talk about it. They were embarrassed over what I shared. It wasn't real Baptist. Uh, They were threatened. It was way out of their comfort zone. Now let me ask you a question. What message do you think I got from their lack of response? These same feelings of rejection and abandonment. So last Sunday, these old feelings kind of stirred afresh in me. And right in the middle of church, right in the middle of the song, the Lord says to me, I want to further heal you of this wound right now. Will you let me? And I said, yes, I will. That's what I want. And as I was, I was receiving from the Lord last week, that's when Michelle came down and had a word that the Lord was healing somebody in this congregation. you remember that? I wish she was here because I would like to thank her. Now, some Bobby came forward and said, anybody else have anything you want to say? And I, I wouldn't, but I was afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble now. I really had trouble last week. But it was the Lord confirming. I didn't know if it was for anybody else, but I knew that it was for me. Uh, 
Now, I recognize God's sovereignty. He is in control. Last week, from waking me up early to telling me to go get this book, to show me for the first time since I've had that book for so many years that these were letters written to this guy's dad, setting me up for when I would be worshiping, my guard would be down, and he was saying, okay, there still needs some more work in that area. And, and what I want to say is that spiritual gifts are real, are real. And they really do have a place in the body of Christ. And healing just isn't about sickness and diseases. There are healings in our memories and in the traumas of our past. And the Lord wants us free so that we can be led by His Spirit and join Him in His kingdom purposes. That's why we're here. Now, I want to share one other recent experience that I've had with spiritual gifts. And this one involves spiritual gifts to the church. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians 4. If you don't, I do have a Bible. And I'll read it. This is a... Amazing sections of Scripture, probably one of my favorites in all of the New Testament. Where Paul was talking about, he spent the first three chapters telling what God has done. And now he turns the corner in chapter 4 and starts applying it and tells us how to walk. But in verse 11, and this is a, this is a passage of Scripture that our church Believes in strongly. And I am thankful. Verse 11 says, talking about God, it says he gave, he's talking about people, gifts to the church. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints For the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, the last time I spoke, I I looked at this verse because I really believe that the only hope for there ever being unity in the church is that we all come to the same faith that Jesus has and the same knowledge that Jesus has. As long as we got our little stuff that we've heard all of our life that may not be Him, there's never be unity. There's going to be factions and divisions everywhere. And that was the last time I spoke, so I'm not going to take off on that. But... Uh, I believe God gives gifts to the church. And so, uh, Pastor John and and the elders have scheduled some gifted men to come to this church. Neil Silverberg's one of them. I think he's coming on on our wedding anniversary. I don't know whether I'll be be here. We're going to have to celebrate some other time. Well, I haven't talked to her yet. I'm thinking about being here. 
And uh, anyway, uh, Pete Beck has apostolic oversight over this church. Now, I, I don't, I, I've always wondered, I don't know what apostles are, what they do. You know, nobody goes around and seeks that title, I, I don't think, at least not that I know. But uh, when he was here two months ago, I was able to talk with him one-on-one when no one else was around. And I'd never talked to him before. I didn't even know he knew my name. I tend to, uh, in a crowd, I tend to fade in the back. And, uh, and I like that, you know. Uh, my wife's just the opposite, you know. The opposite is a track. And uh, she never meets a stranger. So uh, uh, I never talked to him before, so we made introductions. And, and Neil had told him that he thought I would be a good elder in this church. And I told him why I did not think it was God's will for me to be an elder. And he understood. He knew that I'd pastored a, a couple of churches in the past, as he had. So he commented that I must have a lot of sheep bites. And I assured him that indeed I did. And that some of them got infected. But let me tell you this. These were opportunities for me to deal with this whole abandonment and rejection lie. If I'd been mature enough to do it. But I really wasn't. And uh, I can see that now. Pete's wife wasn't with him. So I asked him how she was doing. He told me that she was scheduled for surgery in a couple of weeks. And he added, you know, I believe that healing is in the atonement. And I agree with him. And the Lord may yet do a miracle. That's what we're praying and believing for. But, he said, if he doesn't, then we're going to go through the surgery. He looked at me, and then he said, there's no condemnation over that. I told him that I agreed with him. And then I shared some of my experiences as a hospice chaplain for over 19 years where I saw sometimes condemnation and judgment being heaped upon people when they were already devastated by a loss and grief of their situation. And I told him how angry that made me. When I finished my rant, Pete looked me in the eye and he said, The Lord has shown me that the biggest stronghold over the American church today is the flesh. I was amazed. I have thought that for a long time. And it's the first time I ever talked to another minister that saw it and agreed with it. Now, this was a, a, a crossroads for me because the Lord has shown me there really are spiritual gifts to the church. <laughs> there really are. And, and, and I, I all of a sudden had a, an appreciation for what Pastor John and the elders are, are wanting to do with our church because when they come, we all need to make every effort to be here and put weight on what they would say. So does Pastor John. And, and let, me, let me say this. Please be praying for Pastor John and Kathy as they're, they're on the sabbatical. Every day. 
I got a picture of him carrying around with me. Every time I see it, I lift him up in prayer. Because you don't know the stresses of being a pastor and even more so being a pastor's wife unless you've lived it. And they need refreshment and they need to hear from the Lord during this time. Now, I want to ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. But these are, I want to ask you this. What did Pete Beck mean by the flesh? What does flesh look like? Can a person be in the flesh and not know it? What is the opposite of walking in the flesh? Walking in the Spirit, right? All right. Then how do you do that? Now, this is what I'm going to be starting with next week when I speak. Okay? This is what I'm going to be trying to speak about. But before we leave this morning, I want to look at two passages of Scripture and ask a few questions about them. One is Luke chapter 9, chapter 19, excuse me, uh, beginning in verse 36. This is the passage of Scripture where Jesus, it, it, it's uh, Palm Sunday, although they didn't call it that then. It was the Sunday before Easter. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And everybody's excited because they've heard that he's raised Lazarus from the dead and, and heard all kind of stories. And, and I mean, it was a big deal. And if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you can picture this in your mind where the Mount of Olives is and then the entryway into Jerusalem. And, and so I want to let me see where I, beginning in verse 36, it says, as he was going. I want to start at verse 37. Um, it's okay that they were spreading their coats on the road, but that's not where I want to start. It says, as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. And he's right. As he was approaching Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known this day, even you, the things that make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the enemy will come upon you when you're... For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and, and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Now, I've, I've spoken on this passage before, so I'm not going to talk about it again. But I do want to ask a couple of questions. One is, do you know the things that make for peace? I mean, do you? Circumstances change, but do you? Because, because Jesus, look at these people. I mean, they're being really religious and, and, and quoting Scripture. And, 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 and you would think, uh, I'm sure his disciples are saying, hey, they're getting it. It's going to be good. And Jesus is crying. Because they don't get it. And the other, other thing that he says 
is, is, is about time. And so I would ask you this question, if I can find it on my paper. Oh, here they are. Um, do you recognize the time that you're living in? I mean, God really is sovereign. There's no accidents. And have you surrendered your time to the Lord? That's a big deal. God has been working with me on that. I've shared it from this pulpit. I've done really good with meetings. Now he's working on my driving. If there's a, if there's a vehicle in Macon County going 10 or 15 miles per hour under the speed limit, God will make sure they're in front of me when I'm going somewhere. I feel bad for the guys behind me because they didn't want to be in a parade. It happens. I don't care if I'm going to work early and it's dark and nobody's on the road, but me and that person that pulls out in front of me. And I can't pass. Now, instead of banging the steering wheel, I smile. Okay, Lord. Time is yours. You got it. And I think eventually, all those people will go away. They may be angels unaware. I mean, they may not even live in Manatee County. I don't know. Manatee, Macon County. I used to live in Manatee County. But, uh, so, uh, do you recognize the time that you're living in? This word for time isn't horizontal time. It's vertical time. Time that's been set aside for a purpose that only you can live. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And Jesus is saying, you guys don't get it. I wish you did. The other passage is in Matthew chapter 7. This one is, uh, you know, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says several things that uh, can be pretty sobering. You know, he says toward the end, you've got to be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. What? I mean, he was serious. He wasn't just hanging out an ideal. But, but beginning in verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's a sobering passage, isn't it? It always has been for me. Do you know what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about someone practicing lawlessness? You know any other verses that talk about practicing lawlessness? Is it important to understand this condition? I would think it would be. You know, I talked to a guy this week, and I said uh, it's going to be talking about going to heaven, and he said, "I said, man, it's going to be neat to see some of the people that are going to be there." And recognize him. You know, Peter and 
uh, James and John, when they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, knew who Moses was and knew who Elijah was. Not because they had their name on their shirt. They just, it was a spiritual knowing. And I believe in heaven, there's going, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be people that we're going to be able to just spend time with. And uh, um, I forgot where I was going with that. It's terrible. Well, that's, that's what happens when you get old. Uh, you mean you know where I was going, Bonnie? Okay. Well, I'm not supposed to have shared it. A what? Okay. What does it mean to practice lawlessness? Uh, I'm going to talk about that next week. Okay. I'm going to give you a definition that I believe is exactly what Jesus... See, when we read the Bible, it's real important to understand what the people that heard these words the first time heard. Sometimes in English, you know, there's so many different words for the word love. There's so many different words for, for several... You know, the word same or another. That's a good example. When Jesus says, I'm going to send another helper, there's different words for the word another. One of them means another meaning different, and the other one means one exactly like me. Guess which one Jesus used? One exactly like me. So one of the one of the reasons I one of the things I'd love to do is just go and 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 understand or try to understand what the hearers. I'll give you one more example, and then I'll, I'll shut up. All my life. I've heard John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And as I study that, you know, and all I all always heard is, you know, uh, accept Jesus into your life, and you will go to heaven when you die, and you won't go to hell. I don't think Jesus was thinking about heaven or hell when He talked those verses, when He said those words. He, the word perish means to waste your life. And eternal life isn't going someplace when you die. It's entering into a reality now, here, and experiencing God's presence and hearing His voice and allow Him to live His life through you and touch the world as He did through His Son when His Son walked the earth. But we've defined and made, you know, you know okay, yeah, I pray, I got, I got hell insurance, I guess. But when I was growing up, before I met the Lord, you know, I kind of wanted to go to heaven. But if there's going to be anything like church, I'd be okay with sitting on the back row. And then I realized heaven is great, but, but the, the main thing is, is growing and, and, and allowing Him to become your life while you're walking the earth here and now. That's why you're here. As a hospice chaplain, I don't know how many times, hundreds of times, I've had these people that are, you know, that are, have a diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis, and they say, well, chaplain, I don't know why God still has me here, but it must be for a reason. I'm thinking, yeah, wake up, realize who you are, doing will flow out of being, get that settled. In your bulletin was a diagram that I fully expo- ex- ex- uh, expected to talk about this morning. Obviously, that didn't happen. 
So what I'd like for you to do is maybe take it home with you and look at it during the week and see if it makes sense and see what questions you have, because we will talk about that as well next week. I'm pretty sure. Thank you for uh, your time. Lord bless you. And uh, remember to love one another.